Welcome to the Searching for SaaS podcast, where you'll join Nate and Josh, two founders on very different stages of their businesses. Nate is earlier on his journey and is looking for something to stick, while Josh is in the company building phase. Together, they will geek out on software as a service and share their stories. Let's dive into today's episode. I'd like to welcome our first guest to Searching for SaaS. Uh, we have Arvid Call. Is that who you say, Call? That's okay. right. Who is, I would say, SaaS bootstrapper. This is just, you can correct me after I finish this little bit of intro, but you have now turned into a full-time creator. You write newsletters. You have your own podcast, a solo one, which I do have questions on there and how you even figure to keep talking to yourself. But And you've just written your second book. So Arvid, welcome to Searching for SaaS as our very first podcast guest. Thank you so much. It's quite an honor to be the, the very first guest. I, I hope I'll do it justice. But thanks so much for the introduction. It, it's, it's really, it's kind of hard to put myself into any category at this point, because a couple of years ago, I could have told you, yeah, I'm a software engineer, and that's who I am. And then a year later, I could have told you, yeah, I'm a, an entrepreneur, apparently, and that's who I am. And now I'm a writer too, and a creator right. and all kinds of things. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to jump out of any kind of box at right. this point, because it's just so much more fun outside the box. Right. And it, having multiple feet, multiple appendages in multiple boxes at the same time, quite enjoyable as well. So yeah, thanks for the introduction. That's pretty nice. It kind of yeah it makes makes me wonder like how many things I have going on at the same time and how I'm dealing with this. Because yeah, I also run a SaaS still at the same time, in addition to writing and, and doing like 25 hours a day on Twitter, just like talking to people. <laughs> right. So there's a, there's a lot going on. But I'm really happy that you have me on as, as the guest number one. And I, I listened to episode 15 where you were talking about me, essentially. Oh, yeah. And, and having me on as well. It was really nice like just listening to how you deal with your problems and your the kind of market first, audience first approach and stuff. It's really nice to, to join the conversation at this point where you're already kind of going at where I want people to go at. So it's really right. cool to right. be here and talk about that today. Yeah, it, it's timely and it happened, you know, as you probably heard from that recording, that was episode 15, and which we just released this week. And so very, very nice and timely. And it just like that you released the book and all those things happened kind of serendipitously mm-hmm. and kind of makes sense. I think, you know, it was like, oh, he's probably looking to help promote his book a little bit, which is all good too. And as our first guest, no pressure. Uh, just if it goes <laughs> badly, we'll never have a guest again, aside from that. Oh, know, funny. Not, yeah, not, that, not that's, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, I'm, I'm not really trying to push the book. I just want to have a nah. conversation with you, right? Sure, this, sure. Um, the, the book is something, but I, I really want to just talk through the stuff and help yeah. people where they are at and yeah. say something interesting because yeah. that's really why I wrote it to begin with. So right. yeah, cool. Let's, let's have a chat. Cool. Well, first I'd like to, so the, what I was thinking of covering today was, Talk a little bit about your backstory just a bit through your other book, your your first book, The Bootstrap Founder, a little bit about your, just, yeah, I just had a couple of questions in those areas to set the tone. Also, just talk a bit about your background. And then I still have not read, read your book at all. And it is not, hope, hope you're not offended, but at the same time, Nate ha- has picked it up and has read, I think he will admit, I don't know if he wants to admit it publicly yet, but he's, you're what, 40% through, but and like, you know, six hours pending. Okay. So I threw you under the bus there, whether you liked it or not, but, but then Nate will kind of segue into a second half of the podcast and probably ask a little bit more in-depth questions about the book and things like that, that I'm not privy to. So. Yeah, no problem. Just talk to me about whatever you want to talk about. Very flexible. There's no agenda. So go right ahead. Sure. So, so you, you know, you kind of, I would say jumped onto the scene in, it looks like, I think it was late 2019, I believe. And mm. I, w- yep. I would assume this was after Feedback Panda was sold, which... That, that was exactly when and why. Okay, okay. You know, like we were running a business 24-7. It was just the two of us, Danielle and I, my partner mm-hmm. and my girlfriend, and mm-hmm. we, we had the SaaS. And I was with 5,000 customers. It was a lot of work with just two people and right. nobody to help us. So I, I didn't have any time before that to do anything. Mm-hmm. No, no Twitter, no writing, no nothing. So that's when I just started really trying to be more public about it. Right, right, right. And then at what point did you start your, your podcast as well? The podcast came, I think, a couple of weeks, maybe a month or two after I started the newsletter. So I started with the blog. The idea was, mm-hmm. okay, I want to give back to the community. I'm, I've been standing on the shoulders of giants for years, right? You, you don't come up with this stuff by yourself. You learn it from people who've been there and who've done that. So I'd consumed a lot of podcasts, a lot of books in, in the years prior to building Feedback Panda. 
And I wanted to be one of those people that I admired for helping me just now helping other people. So right. I thought best way to do it is to write, is to share with people what I know, because I had just finished two years of a 24 seven for 365 days of SaaS building and SaaS growing and SaaS selling. So that was a good time for me to start. And so I started the blog and to keep myself accountable to actually consistently deliver interesting stuff. I started a newsletter because I thought, hey, the moment I have a subscriber, I need to provide something to them every single week. Hmm. I'm a lazy person. I try just, to automate everything, you know? Right. So Some accountability and some pressure to kind of keep yeah. just keep the ball rolling. Exactly okay. that. Like to... Yes. I, I don't habitualize stuff easily. I, I get distracted easily. I go on tangents easily, as you can probably tell already from these conversations. So I needed something to keep me in place, to keep me in this loop, to yeah, reach the goal of being consistent. Right. Started the newsletter. And a couple of weeks after I had, a I don't know, 100, 200 uh, newsletter subscribers. Wow. And, and nice. somebody told, yeah, yeah, people really liked it, apparently. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I had also written 10, 10-ish articles on the blog that were about customer service or anxiety or getting started or selling a business, all kinds of topics for people to find something interesting in because I wanted to spread it wide to see what sticks and then focus on that kind of a, yeah, a scattershot and then pick up the things that landed uh, strategy. And people liked certain things and I continued to, to go into those directions and they subscribed to the newsletter, but told me, Hey, I don't really have time to read. I have like three kids and mm -hmm. I only have a commute where I actually get to consume stuff. And I also have to drive the car. So that's not going to happen. And I thought, okay, what other format is there? And audio is a clear example of that. So what I've been doing ever since, and we're now at episode 87 this week, I just released wow. it a couple hours ago. I've been reading the things that I've been writing. I've been mm -hmm. writing an article every week, been releasing okay. that as a blog post, as a newsletter mm -hmm. content, and I've been just narrating it to right. my computer screen ah, every single week. <laughs> so that, that seems to work. It's, it's, that may already kind of answer some of your questions. It's just part of my accountability regimen mm -hmm. that I read this into this microphone once a week. Right, right. And it's part of the thing. Right. So you're repurposing, you're, you've, you've got a process down with it, and like you mentioned, I think, it, I think it was really interesting how quickly people picked up on it, probably because in general, you were really just altruistically looking to help. And also just, I, I think this is also similar to the way I feel and the way, actually the reason why I started the podcast with Nate, just in a different way was like, yeah, I've been standing on the shoulders of giants, listening in the background, reading articles, consuming everything, then also producing my own mental models, like how I yeah. fit this, how I see, how I interlay that with my experiences with my own business. And then it was like, how can I help other people? And I'm, I'm not here to sell anything. I'm not here to necessarily, I just really want to help people. And I think that probably came across very clearly. Everything you've written and all the other stuff, just, it's not, it just comes across, you know, very, very helpful and altruistic. So. Thank you. Well, that was the idea. The idea was um, we had just sold a company. So money wasn't really an issue at this point. Right. That's a right. luxury, I guess, to have. Right. And I'm quite aware of my privilege here. But knowing that I could just do whatever I wanted after selling the business, that really helped me figure out what is the highest impact that I can have mm -hmm. without dealing with the whole like self-promotion problem, really. Right. Like right. trying to, to push something. And I was new to the scene. Like you said, I had just started being publicly visible and yeah, it must have been October, November 2019. And nobody really knew what I was about. I mean, Daniela and I, we went to Dubrovnik here in, in Europe, in, in Croatia, to MicroConf Europe. And we had a little talk there on stage, just a couple minutes explaining how we sold the business and what we did to make it sellable. That was the first time we ever really talked about the business because we had just finished selling it. And the people we actually sold it to were co-sponsoring the conference. So that's kind of how that all came together. Right. And that's that also put us on the map as legitimate people. Like mm -hmm. we weren't just making stuff up. There was right. a conference that allowed us on stage to talk right. about what we were doing. Right. At least so had a starting point there to just like yeah. to, to launch from, to step off from. Right. We had something interesting to say and mm -hmm. other people considered this interesting. Right. And then, yeah, we took this onto Twitter and, and different media podcasts where we just appeared because people at the conference invited us on their shows because every entrepreneur at microconf seems to have a podcast right which is quite hilarious like this <laughs> all these SaaS founders and they all have shows it's, it's really funny but it's also nice because all of a sudden you're in the middle of the network and mm -hmm. you're immediately connected to the connectors in the mm -hmm. network it's really nice mm -hmm. yeah so that that happened 
there and it really helped it also helped that a lot of the people in the community were very very enthusiastic about somebody sharing the experience mm -hmm. uh, we are in the middle of the build in public movement and i know you've talked about this in episode 13 right with like how much to share and how much you don't want to share and what you don't right. want to talk about because of all these things like shareability and giving people an edge over other people or having network effects in the product that really makes a difference in how much you want to talk about your product or how much you want to encourage people talking about your product there's a lot of nuance to that sure but people are really interested in sharing knowledge mm -hmm. and knowledge is something that everybody can benefit from. So having somebody altruistically sharing knowledge is something that nobody will suffer from sharing with their friends, right. you know, and that made it extremely easy for other people to retweet it, to like it, to follow me. And that yeah, allowed me to build a rather sizable following in the, yes, what is it now? 18 months that I've been active mm -hmm. on Twitter. It's been been quite a quite a ride so far. But the fact that I'm I've been actively engaging, that's what I kind of joked about earlier, 26 hours a day. I'm really yeah. doing this. I'm on yeah. Twitter all the time, trying to help people get other people to join conversations where they can help with the value that they have to offer. This is a kind of full-time job to be a community connector. Mm -hmm. And I guess again highly privileged because I don't have anybody telling me what else to do, right? This right. is my own personal choice to do this. It's kind of my job that I've chosen for myself at this point, be a creator and be a connector. If I had a, a day job or anything at the same time, probably wouldn't be as effective. Right. So just want to like lay down the fundamentals here. So sure, we know sure. That. Now, definitely. What, has that added any pressure? Have you taken days off? Have you taken like, have you gotten to a point where like, I just need a week off to just, hmm. I, I haven't seen it. I, I'll, I'm also probably not yep. active enough to notice per se, but has that ever not, happened yet? Or do yet. you, okay. So this it stuff gives you, happened yet. it seems like it gives you energy as well. Like it's That's one right. of those yep. things, right? It, okay. It's surprising to me because I always considered myself to be introverted. Mm -hmm. So at draining, get, yeah, getting energy drained from me right. while interacting with others. But with this particular group of people, the founder community, the bootstrapper, the indie hacker community, interacting actually energizes me. So right. I'm I'm a partial extrovert when it comes to the people that I actually like. Mm -hmm. so don't think it's much surprising, right? Yeah, that yeah. Once you interact with the people you enjoy working with, they actually feed, our, we, we feed off each other's energy. But I didn't know until right. I actually did this that this was a possibility for me. I never really liked that much, but yeah. It, it I, I could see that. That makes sense. I think I'm a similar one where even in that in that episode where we talked about the building in public and my epiphany came from this podcast. And it was, again, a different part of my brain or a different part of yeah. it, a sense of fulfillment I didn't know. And even going in there, I think this morning I was on the Searching for SAS handle that's I'm kind of my alter ego of that. And mm -hmm. going in there, it is, it was like replying to stuff and it just feels more natural and it didn't bother me. But then I'm sure as you would say, or know, since you ran Feedback Panda and had, you know, tons of customers and things like that, like dealing with customers can drain your energy. There's not, not yeah. that there's like, you know, you're, there's a, there's a value you're providing. There's a service you provide, you know what you're doing there. But at the same times, I'm sure you're like, okay, like I got to turn off. I'm not going to go back. I'll just... We, we have these hours, we're here X hours to this hours, and I'll be happy to answer chat cues then. But at the same time, I'm happy to like, now let me just go sit on the couch and read a book. Yeah, sometimes you need that. And it, it's it's one of the problems that I, I found a lot with my mentees and, and consulting clients that are trying to build a business for an audience they don't really like. Hmm. This, this point of where it starts draining you comes very early, particularly when you're the only person dealing with the business, like you get stressed quite quickly if there's no like empathetic connection to the people mm -hmm. that you're actually supposed to serve, which is why I wrote the book and I've right. been writing about this whole audience first or audience driven methodology just so much because I see so many people flipping this around and starting with the product, with the idea. You've talked about this at mm -hmm. length in multiple mm -hmm. shows, but mm -hmm. the, 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 the problem really is if you don't like the people you're serving and if you only later find out that they're actually not as nice as you thought, you're in for not much of a fun experience because right. you will have to continue serving them to turn uh, to maintain your business right, right. and to retain them as customers. It's yeah, it's it's quite a it ends up being it ends up being backwards, right? Because you yep. everyone started this stuff with the intent for freedom and some autonomy, and now they've created their own box, right? Yes, <laughs> so. yeah, yeah, and and they, they cannot leave the box because the box feeds them and their right. family. Right, it's a big problem. Right, like if you right. don't get this right from the start, or at least start validating 
or trying to invalidate it, trying to see where could this mess up my life. Mm-hmm. If you don't ask this question early and you only like kind of fall into it because the question is in the room all the time and it's right. actually draining you. Right. Yeah. Hence my attempt to talk to as many people as possible, like figuring out or telling, yeah, explaining to them how this can affect your mental health quite quickly if you don't get it right. So right. nice that I get to talk about it here today. Yeah. Because I've, I've lots of people could benefit from it, at least listening to somebody who has had this experience or who has seen people having this experience. Right, right. I think that's a, there's a good segue into about, you know, this second book and why why you wrote the second book. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask more about Zero to Sold, but I think mm-hmm. at this point, I think we're just starting to skate right towards the embedded entrepreneur. Yeah. So I'll start with the first question and then I'll let Nate kind of dig his teeth in a little bit and, and uh, ask you some more questions. So yeah, why, why did you write of the embedded entrepreneur? Because people asked me to, really. Like I was, when, when Zero to Sold was done, people read it and they really liked it because it's about the whole journey of Fitna Panda right? from the moment we envisioned like maybe doing something about a problem to figuring out if this was a critical problem for an existing audience to building the product to then launching the product and growing the product and selling the business there was a lot in the book and it's it's 500 pages it's quite a heavy book compared to other books in this whole like indie hacking or company building scene so there's a lot in there but still, the initial parts that finding the right people to serve and figuring out what their problem is, that still wasn't enough for many people. They, they came back to me, they read the book and said, hey, this is really nice. And thanks for doing all this and for writing about all these different things I would never have thought about. So thanks for that. But the initial step, finding people, how did you do this? Like, how mm-hmm. can I do this? Mm-hmm. And that was the most the feedback I got the most, really, like the, the feedback I had 50, 60, 70 times compared to other things like, oh, I don't know how to sell my business. And like this particular thing got three or four people didn't really feel as urgent as the right. whole audience building and audience discovery thing. So that's what I went into. I tweeted about it. I said, hey, I'm going to write a new book, I guess, because I guess <laughs> we need to dive into this a bit more. It's going to be called Audience First. And here's the outline that I've already had in my mind. I shared that on Twitter, I put a little landing page up. And said, hey, people, if you think some other question needs to be answered in the book, put in a comment here, put a comment box below. And people started telling me what they wanted to be in the book, which is nice, because if you have your readers, your potential and future readers tell you what they want to read about, the likelihood of the book being useful for your readers just increases significantly, right? So people were involved with the whole writing process from the start, from when I yeah, told them what I wanted to write about to the point where I actually had written a manuscript, the first version of it. I immediately shared that with my alpha reader squad. I recruited a couple of people onto an email list and they really dove into the manuscript. They tore it apart and added a lot of interesting new ideas that I mm-hmm. wouldn't have come up with. In the end, I had like 550 people looking into the book over certain periods of time. It was significant and the book changed a lot. And then, yeah, people decided what the cover would be. People decided like the, the kind of formats they wanted, all of that kind of stuff. A lot of people were involved in the book and that made it not really just my project, right? It made, made it a community project where people told me what they needed to have explained to them. And I explained it to them. And then they told me where the explanation sucked. Right. And then I made the explanation better. And the whole book really is about finding the people you want to serve and empower, like figuring out which future audience you should be serving, figuring out where they are, where you have to go to, to learn about them, learn what their needs are, what their day-to-day is, what they're complaining about, what their problems are, you know, like the stuff that we as, as entrepreneurs find interesting and we need to understand before we can even start considering how we can solve their problems. Then discovering their problems from the communication that happens inside the community. What do people complain about? Whether they ask for alternatives, recommendations, whether they just ask for help, all these things. You can do data-driven analysis on this. You don't have to just kind of guess your way into this. You can actually keep tabs on what's going on and tally them and, and yeah, do a data-driven approach to finding their most critical problem and then envisioning an actual solution to that with your community. Right. You know, like not just building something because you think it's nice, 
but building something that is validated in terms of does it fit into the workflow that people currently have. And you have already been talking about this on the show, which is really nice because can kind of jump into this at a later point where what are they already doing? What are they already using, right? That right. kind of stuff. You, you, fig- you can only learn about this by actually being around people, by right. talking to people. And embedding yourself in a community is the easiest way of doing this because then you don't need to search the internet. I think, Nate, that's how you described it in the show, yeah. right? Search the internet for people and like cold email them to get them into this kind of conversation. They're already there. You've already been chatting with them if you are in the community, if you are on Twitter with them, if you are in their Facebook groups or, you know, that there's a lot of different ways of uh, being already present in their community. And yeah, then the last part of the book really is about audience building. How can I build reputation within this community? Mm-hmm. How can I empower people? How can I engage with people? How can I provide content to people? I chose Twitter as an example, because that's where I am. That's why I'm mm-hmm. building my own audience and community. Mm-hmm. But obviously this works for many people in many different social media systems. I, I have a good friend who has a company. His name is Andrew. There's a company called Hauling Buddies. And it's like animal hauling, livestock hauling from one place to another. It's just like you put load them onto a truck and get them somewhere, building a marketplace. He has Facebook groups. He has dozens of Facebook groups, thousands of people in there. And he just organizes his own community where people interact with each other and right. he sees what problems they have with the whole process. And then he builds those tools into his marketplace. Interesting. Genius. But yeah, it's just yeah. embedding yourself or building those communities all by yourself. is a, uh, a pretty solid way of doing this. Yeah. That's what yeah. the book is about. Right. Hence yeah, that, the title, right? So <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead Nate, right. Sorry. Yeah. And that, that really resonates because I think a lot of the times as engineers, we want to just build stuff first, right? Yes. We're like, ah, oh, I've got this great idea. It's genius. Everyone's doing it wrong. Do it this way. I mean, talking to people is a way better way of uh, sorting that out. And I really appreciate the, the way that comes across in the book. I don't think you hammer too much on the stop coding. I think you hammer more on the start talking part. Yeah. But I think that's really cool. Is there like, I think what you talked about is that like, it seems like a lot of the later problems are easier to find solutions for, right? Like how do I communicate to my existing audience seems to be a well talked about thing and talking about that how do you start part I think is really important I think like you talk in your book a bit about making lists about people that you know and stuff like that do, do you mind to talk a bit more about how how to go through that and kind of what your approach is for that Sure. Yeah. So you're 35% in. I'm just trying to figure out which parts of the book you already have have seen, because there's there's a part later on that, like I said, the fourth part, the audience building part that dives really deeply into how to jumpstart this kind of audience building process. But even within the audience exploration phase, which you're, you're referring to right now, that one of the best things to do in a community is to find the people that matter and to follow them listen to them, engage with them, and the audience that is actively following them as well. Because there's something really interesting in this. We call them influencers, which I guess is a damaged term because there's way too much Instagram in that particular mm-hmm. term. But even on Twitter, like there's people out there, Justin Jackson is an influencer, no, no matter if he wants to or not, right? He's a big guy in the, the SaaS community. He has a lot of people that listen to him. He doesn't post weird pictures on Instagram. I mean, he has an Instagram and he shows pictures of himself snowboarding sometimes, but that's not what it is about, right? <laughs> he is in the SaaS community and he shares his experience building Transistor FM with, right. with John Buda and, and, and on his podcast as well. There's a lot of interesting stuff that he does and it's very public. So he's, to, for me, considered an influencer. So if you want to build something for SaaS founders, you follow Justin. And then you look at what Justin is talking about. And whenever he posts something interesting, you look at what he's posting and who is resonating with him, who is mm-hmm. either extremely appreciative of what he's posting, engaging with them there, or who is also another expert who is like weighing in on something that he said, and then you follow them. It's a whole recursion thing because you need to figure out what's the lay of the land in a community. And if you don't already know that because you've been part of this community for a long time, you have to do a lot of recursive searching, both for the influencers in the space and who they interact with and for where the communities actually are. Because let's just say you want to dive into the the, the coffee aficionado community because you really like coffee and you have all these beans that you really enjoy and you have a $4,000 coffee maker or something and you want to find other people like this that appreciate this that you might want to serve in the future. Well, the easiest thing is to find somebody else like you and ask them where they go to hang out with people like you. That's really like, right. just 
this is the easiest way to figure out where is the first step. You go into that community, which could be a forum. There's a barista forum. There's a barista, hobby barista forum. Like I've, I've done some research on this because I like coffee. And <laughs> there are Facebook groups that are exclusively for people who serve other people coffee. You have to be invited there by showing that you really care about this and you've done your research and you know what like the different grades are that you can grind your beans and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And you go into those communities, you try to find a way in there, and then you look, where else do people go? Like, mm. Is there maybe a private Telegram group? Is there a private kind of forum where you need to be invited into to get access to the expert in the space? And I'm saying this because I've heard you talk about this on the show, that you find it hard to find the experts in the community. This is something that you can only really do if you're already established in a community. And then you ask people, where else do these people hang out? And is there a way to get into their private groups? Because often, more often than not, it's private masterminds, it's private Telegram or WhatsApp groups that you want to join to see the actual experts talking to each other. Funny enough that it's mostly these, these kind of technologies. It's not on Twitter. It's not on Facebook. It's in instant messaging kind of situations where people can help out each other immediately. So you do this with influencers, you figure out who, fo who follows whom, and you build out your own little follower network, or following network, I guess. And you do this with communities, it's themselves as well. Right, right. And so I guess what I'm, I'm hearing you say that, that I kind of had different in my mind is that I'm not used to searching for people online that I don't know. I'm used to the, the physical world where I meet someone in person at a conference or you know, like a regular sales type interaction, and then I find them online, and then I become part of their community. Yeah. And where you're saying is like, we're searching for these communities online already. And you kind of have to, you have to interact with those communities and get used to that. That's and, right. and that's a, that's a whole, a whole learning curve on itself, I guess. Speak oh, the language, of, speak the language of the natives, right? You gotta... that, that, is, that is the whole point. Yeah, learn the lingo, learn the jargon, learn, the, understand what and how they talk about right. things. So you're, so you're not an outsider. <laughs> exactly. You, you want to yeah. be, it's all tribal. In many ways, most communities you can find are tribal. They, they have shared interests. They have an internal structure of reputation and they talk about stuff with each other all the time. So you can quite easily burn your reputation if you come into a community like this and just start advertising. Like people will kick you out. Yep. If you've ever been on Reddit and ever said anything about something that you've done, you're kicked out of the community quite quite quickly because that's right. Reddit is a very anti-self-promotion community mm -hmm. for better or worse. I have my opinions on that, but not going to go into that necessarily. But any community thrives on people serving the community. So if you can show that you are a person that wants to serve and uh, like and begin like serve and make better this community, then people will start listening to you and not be as exhausted quickly when you start talking about what you want to do. You know, like they're, they're not going to react as yeah as much as as, as a, like an allergic reaction in many communities. Right. They're going to give you some slack. And yeah, you have to be in the community to, to build a reputation, but you don't have to be necessarily established in a community to find out who the people are that matter in the community. And there are tools right. out there. If you go to Spark Toro and you look for people who are talking about, I don't know, bootstrapping or dropshipping or something, you'll find that these tools have mapped the community graph of Twitter and, and other communities, obviously, but Twitter is a big one. There's Facebook and LinkedIn too. And they will tell you that here are the people that sit at, as a central node in the network of people that talk about X. Mm -hmm. Follow them, interact with them. And there are other tools out there like this that allow you to figure out who the influencers are and then just start listening to them and listening to what they talk about, what resonates with their audience and that kind of stuff. Right. And so this is really like, just like the title of your book, you're really trying to immerse yourself, yes, right? You're trying to like get deeply. into that community and see, yeah. yeah, like be part of that community. And that's interesting because that that's sounds like a quite intensive process. And if I looked at myself, like, I think I've, I've been kind of into the marketing part of the marketing community and different parts for the past, probably, I don't know, four or five weeks. And like, that's a really intensive process of like, trying to learn what's new in this community, what do these people care about, what are the metrics, how do they talk and all of that, and making each interaction a really good learning experience so that you can, you know, get there as quickly as possible. But I guess, how do you not go down the wrong path with that? Like, you know, maybe I'm going to go and go down some community that you know, there's nothing there. And I keep mm. going down more communities that have nothing. Do you have any thoughts on that? Pre pretty interesting uh, question, because that is a 
somewhat clear indicator that there might not be an audience for whatever you're trying to do. Or there might not be a group of people that is actually consolidated enough for you to reach them as a community. Because consider if they don't talk to each other, like who do they listen to, right? Because and any community has its leaders, but people also communicate with each other because that's the community sense that they have. So if there are no leaders and if there's no community, all these people are essentially isolated, right? If there's nothing going on, you don't have a cohesive unit, a cohesive kind of existing market even that you could serve. Right. Unless so you, not... you're just really bad at finding communities. <laughs> that, that is, that is <laughs> well, there is that there. too. <laughs> yeah, but, but, no, but it, I'm like, thinking... can you stare, stare you in the face at some point? Right. And, and I'm not thinking so much that like I have an, an idea or a, a group that I want to go after and I can't find the community. I'm thinking more of the case where so I, with my recent ideas, I recently was targeting drop shippers pretty tightly. And I kind of found that it didn't seem like that was a great fit for what I was looking for. And now I've been looking more at like online marketers and trying to kind of figure out if there's a niche in there that I'm interested mm -hmm. in. And I'm just thinking to myself, well, I've just done, you know, one and, you know, I'm kind of written that one off and now I'm going on to two. So, you know, is it going to be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10? Or, you know, like, is there a way that I can improve my chances in that case? Well, you've, you've already <laughs> read the first um, chapter of the book, like the audience discovery thing, mm -hmm. where I introduced this little guide, this step-by-step -step guide, right? Because the idea behind this whole process is to not follow the wrong audiences that turn out to be blanks, that turn out to be uninteresting, which is why mm -hmm. I try to share a data-driven approach that takes into account how much affinity you have for any given group of people, how much opportunity there is in the space. And that's kind of where this question is going to, how much appreciation there is for stuff that helps people. Is there a budget? Is there, is there or is it just a hobby for people? And then finally, is the market big enough, the market size? That's kind of what this initial five-step guide allows you to rank all the potential audiences that you might be serving. Uh, into some sort of yeah, table or, or spreadsheet with a, a, a numerical final result that if you then pick the top one or top the first one, the second, the top three, you'll have a pretty high chance of those potential audiences being very interesting for you as a business avenue. So what I recommend is doing this before you jump into the next one is really st starting to figure out is this something that is interesting to me? Just, I mean, the opportunity step of this is looking into a community and looking into potential problems that you can find quickly, right? Are there enough interesting problems? You don't have to find your problem just yet at that stage. That's what the problem discovery phase is for later, once you're already within the community. It's just, do people have problems? Because I can tell you, there is a lot of communities where people don't really have interesting problems. Look at the craft beer brewing community. Like if you're not deeply entrenched in this community already, particularly as a consumer, people know where to get their beer. They know what to find and where to find new interesting varieties because there's this whole like social network of people talking about beer all the time. There's lots of apps and stuff in the space. It's kind of hard to, to get a foothold in, in that. So if you look into this and you search for 30 minutes for something interesting and nothing comes up, the likelihood that there's nothing interesting for you to solve is pretty high. And if you do this early enough before you actually commit for weeks to that, and I'm not saying you did anything wrong. I'm just saying like, if you can already do this quite early, you get a feeling for the opportunity landscape within a certain community. And then there's always zooming out and zooming in. Like you were looking at marketers, right? There are digital marketers. There are marketers that are in the, like the food industry or like, I don't know, visual marketers or copywriting marketers. So that's niching down, but then you can also go out and then you, you, you don't just have marketing, you have the whole sales and marketing and the interplay between these, these two, right? How can one facilitate the other? How can they communicate? How can data be exchanged? And yeah, that business intelligence stuff, maybe that's an interesting topic to you about the whole landscape of marketing and where it's moving, where it's coming from, report building and whatever that could be. So you can always zoom out and zoom in with one particular audience already. So if they have that in your list, you can spawn like 10 more different varieties in the list as well. There's right. a lot of opportunity at an early stage. Right. And I think that you kind of touched on something there that it's not, it wasn't clear to me is that that list building exercise might not be a one and done kind of thing where you, you take something at face value or you take something at an hour's worth of research value and that's it. 
instead you could kind of iterate on that you can as you go deeper into the community you can start to split that thing out into multiple rows of you know maybe digital marketing maybe print marketing that sort of thing and also yeah. adjust your affinity for that as well that's yeah that's while a good you point. while you build the list you will come up with stuff that's the whole idea right it's a creative process and while you think about things you will make these connections it's like mm -hmm. when you when i built the list for myself of course i started with what are my big audience as well software engineers and makers yeah. and writers and what i'm doing because i was literally sitting in front of my computer having just written something tweeting to software engineers like there's right. all this immediate stuff but the more you think about it you find things in your life that you are actually interested in that you may already be part of a community in that are not very obvious right musicians and like i don't know people who like whiteboards and there's a lot of stuff that comes from just thinking about this who's using whiteboards well people right. who plan right and then you, you go into what kind of industries are very big on planning and then all of a sudden you are in marketing but you're not in just marketing you mm -hmm. are in marketing scheduling for marketing agencies like you can right. so quickly get into these tiny tiny niches because of just the yeah this interplay of ideas which is why this exercise is so powerful because you get to that yeah yeah, yeah. But one of the things i found one of the things i found interesting which is Nate, if you track back to like where we started with the idea and the process we went through which was our our idea was looking at markets a product uh, like a product niche or a product position plus a distribution. And that was the process we kind of developed when we were starting mm -hmm. this, which is interesting because it, 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 lay, it lay, how's you go down a certain direction and a certain approach to that, but still where the rubber is going to meet the road is like talking to more people, getting more tactile feedback on, you know, your idea. So ours had a idea first and now it's like looking to this. And I think Arvid's is interesting because I didn't realize the book was all about like the start of it is kind of more, I would say if I was to paraphrase and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like it's an audience first based approach to finding an idea and going that way. Yeah. It's a little, yeah. it's, and all of these things, we know that all these components like a funnel have to happen. Now the yes. order of operations, some people might be adapt to taking a, a one certain approach. And I think like communities and all of these are going to have those and you're going to look at those. And then later, the later problem that we looked at first was like, distribution and positioning. Yes. We're looking at that. We looked at that first where you're looking at the people first. It's almost like a flipped and interest. And there's no wrong way for any of these people. Absolutely. Obviously bumble yeah. around and find them any way. Yeah. So it's interesting. And, and they're just as important, right? Sure. Like getting positioning right and, and distribution. That That is kind of why I'm trying to put appreciation and size into this this step five-step guide because mm -hmm. appreciation kind of is what distribution is. Like, right. are people buying stuff? Is there a way to actually reach them and sell them something? Right. right? Have other people succeeded at this? Or right. would I be the first person to try and right. sell a SaaS to, right. I don't know, like craft beer drinkers? And 20,000 people have tried this and failed. Right. right. You can you can kind of see this in the market if you just look and, and do some some research. And and size, market size is the same thing. Like if you if you you look at a market and you see, or you look at a community maybe, and you see there's only 20 people in this Facebook group on this particular topic, that is my whole thing. Mm -hmm. Well, is there really any interest there? Like, could sure. I even build a business from that? Or would I fizzle out immediately because nobody would be interested? So this needs to happen at all right. at all times. Right. The question is where where does the the idea and the people that you serve where does this connect and how mm -hmm. is this this kind of structured because there's always a relationship between what you're doing and who you're serving obviously mm -hmm. because you're mm -hmm. trying to serve them the question is where does it originate does it originate in something that you conceptualize your idea the thing that you want to build and then you find the people who need it right which is the, the product first approach right or does it originate with some need that people express to you and you then build something out of right. it see and if it's like sellable said, after that right it's like it's, it's and, and right. there's nothing wrong with this mm -hmm. the only problem is that validation is so much harder if you build something first and then try to find the people that might buy it right compared to if people tell you i need this and they build it with you and then you sell it to them because right. if, if you build something and you hope that people are out there who need this there's a chance that there are not. But if people are out there telling you, I want this, 
they have demand, there's pull from this market. Well, then there is a market out there. You don't need to validate that there's a market because the market literally told you that they need something from you. And, and that's the mindset I'm trying to, to convey here. There's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with doing product first. It's just more risky. And if you're building a bootstrap business and you're using your own money and you don't have venture capital just thrown at you because, I don't know, it's the next Uber for cats, then you you really need to make sure that as many validation steps as possible happen before you start building. And for VC-funded companies, this might not be the right approach. They might want to be the disruptors of everything and build something that nobody thinks they might use. And then it turns out to be the best thing ever, right? But Mm -hmm. for a a solopreneur, bootstrap business, I I don't want to waste the little money that I have on my account on something that may or may not work out. I want to try to validate as much as possible from the beginning. Hence, I start with the people that I'm going to be serving. What's interesting yeah. is Nate's first comment when talking about your book was like, he, he you, what did you say? You said I, you liked how it didn't, it wasn't basically telling you not to code. It just kept telling you to go do this other yeah. thing, right? Where we, we're going through the process through Nate and, and I'm still trying to get him to not code, but it is an uphill battle, <laughs> right? Every, every week is like, I'm like, I'm like, you can do this without coding. You can do this without building your product. We can, you can do this without investing in this. These are still all questions and all information you can gather without building. But it is because it is more of a product-led approach idea, but I'm trying to hold him on the reins to like hold him back from building product because he's so close to the, the iron <laughs> there. And yeah. then your approach pitches, this is like, you know, you're not even close to it. That's, that's, that's over there on the other side of the bridge. And now I'm pulling Nate's over here and he's like, well, you can't even get to that. So you're not even tempted. So let's just retrain your brain in this. So I think that's, it's an interesting approach, especially for developer first people, yeah. product, product first people uh, to pull. It's almost like it, it just pulls them polarly to another way of thinking and say, find your communities. You're not the idea creator. They're the idea creator. Yeah. You're just there to listen and, that's- and, and so it's interesting. That's, I think it's, it's that's great. that's the hard part, and that's the hard part for people like us engineers that were trained in a problem-solving solution approach, like build solutions. Right. I have this problem. Okay, I can code up something, right? I can can build like a SaaS for that, or I can build a little script for that that solves this immediately, or I have some some cron job somewhere that does this automatically every couple hours, and you'll never have to think about it again. That's how I work too, mm-hmm. and it's really really hard to suppress this. Oh, here's a problem. Well, let's immediately build something to solve it. Obviously, that's that's great because I can actually do it and I could build something to solve right. it. But is my time really spent well solving this instead of figuring out how this can then or prior even be turned into something meaningful that helps somebody instead of hoping that it helps somebody? That whole retraining process is super complicated. And I, I don't doubt that it's super hard for almost every single technical background person out there because we are trained to solve problems with solutions. We are also told that we're socially inadequate, that we shouldn't <laughs> talk to people because we're the nerds. Like I've, I've heard this many, many times in my life and I had to actively undrain, untrain my mind to not think that I'm not a good person to talk to other people. Right. And if this is part of our like cultural expectation of who we are, it can be really, really self-limiting if we don't talk to other people because we think, ah, oh, we shouldn't. Marketing people do this. We are also marketing people, either of our own worth, of our own skills, or of the product or or solution that we built. Mm -hmm. So we have to market this. We have to talk to people. And by reframing this as as a framework that has a higher chance of succeeding... I'm trying to lure engineers into it mm-hmm. so they at least think about it a little right, bit, right? right because right, it's hard. Right. It's really hard to do this because, yeah, it's you don't even know. that The thing is, and that's what you just so, so adequately explained, sorry, adequately might not be the right word, so wonderfully explained, mm-hmm. is that if you go audience first, your idea and the product doesn't matter for a long time. And that can be super painful because we think we know what's good. Right. We are the we, we judge stuff all the time. Right. This text editor is like so much better than this text editor, or you know, Ruby on Rails, so good. And then we have all these weird conversations where we do this this have these minuscule advantages of one thing over another, and we invest a lot of energy into that. Instead of saying, Hey, I don't know what's good yet. Let's listen and see what people need. And mm-hmm. let's let's even mm-hmm. not even think about what it might be. Let's just look at what problems they have right now. Super hard to do, but I think it's a better way. 
I, I have one thing to thought that maybe you could comment on is you're talking about like audience first versus product approach or product uh, led as like kind of like two polar things. And I wonder if there's some middle ground in there somewhere where you don't actually go and build anything but you come up with at least a concept of an idea because I've been using this for the past two weeks now, um, trying to get in touch with marketers because I found that looking through communities online, I was getting a lot of noise and a lot of mixed messages and I was having a hard time kind of narrowing in on anything interesting. And so what I did is I, I talked to a few friends who are in the marketing space and just listened to the ones that were willing to talk to me just because they know me. And then I came up with a couple concepts that I'm not really tied to. I just think they're cool. And I would say to them, hey, do you know someone else that I could talk about this concept to? Yeah. And that was a talking point that, that made that, that introduction a lot easier and that made the, the conversation with people I don't know a lot easier. I wonder if you have any thoughts on, on using that kind of tools to, to talk to people. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great way of engaging the community. And hey, whatever community you have, right? That's, that's the whole idea is if you have a couple friends that are in there and you can talk to them without having to like cold email anybody, that's wonderful. Just be aware that there might be some bias towards your idea. Right? There might always be some sort of, I like this guy, I'm going to tell him I like it. That is going to be the, the number one message there that you have to actively filter for and actively be aware of. But other than that, if they can introduce you to people who are not as biased, then not saying your friends are biased, but I hope they are because that makes them friends. You know, like the moment you you get people into this and have an actual conversation and you did this, you, you talked about what are they currently doing instead of asking, do you like this, right? You're trying to source information on what the, what is their status quo? What are their troubles? Where can would they want to see improvement and that kind of stuff? If you do this, Perfect, because that is the kind of audience exploration that's the active part, because you're not just supposed to sit there and observe. Of course, you should observe and listen and take notes on how many people talk about certain problems. But the moment you find something interesting and you have a solution in mind, why not talk to people? As long as they appreciate this and understand this as something that might actually help the community, instead of seeing this, oh, no, this guy is building a business and he's just trying to make some money of us. Right? You always have to be like socially smart and understand that if you ask people about something that happens within their community, they'll be protective of their community before they will give you the benefit of the doubt. And right. the benefit of the doubt is something that you have to build up through reputation. That makes it easier to get access to people. But as long as you make it clear that you're trying to help everybody and the business is a result of this, not the reason, you know, mm -hmm. then yep. this is a great active method of exploring the community because you will also you will also find criticality urgency and importance in these conversations right you show them something and they say i don't really care much about this because i only have this problem once every two months mm -hmm. and if you're building a SaaS with a monthly recurring revenue model not <laughs> a good idea you know yeah. like you can you can get a lot of you can infer a lot of information from how actively people are actually engaging with certain ideas and to put them out there is a great way to do it but you have to be careful not to overdo it or else they're going to see you as somebody who's just really trying to make money their community and and that is risky but i guess if you are yeah. in the marketing community that's gigantic a couple conversations would cause this but if you were in the marketing scheduling tool maker community that would look all, all of a sudden quite a bit different right because it's right, a smaller right. community it's probably more tight-knit and if you engage them in a way that they don't like you're going to be out pretty soon so i like the right. idea just be careful not to overdo it Right. And, and I think maybe it, it makes a difference too, whether you do it one-on-one -on -one versus in a public forum, Yeah, right? Absolutely. Like I, I found that like talking to people saying one-on-one -on -one and saying, I want to help and I, I don't know where I'm going has been a really good way because people feel like they're able to, to guide you and yeah. just giving them a brief introduction of like what my background is really helps them to say, okay, this guy actually can help me and he probably will. So I'm going to, you know, try and try and guide this conversation. That brings a, up a very interesting point, because if you are in a community, if you interact with the community in, in public, like on Twitter, it's always a performance in mm -hmm. some way, right? You might be just yourself, but it is something that happens in front of other people in interaction between two or many more people. And somebody is watching that you might not even know is watching. So anything you do in public is always perceived through the lens of, okay, this is somebody who put thoughts into this and how it's going to look. Mm -hmm. You know, even though it might be different levels and you might not even have thought about it at all, you just posted something because you felt that is kind of funny, like whatever means you just have it on your plate, 
at any given point, like I often do, but people will always see this as a public act. Now, the moment you move this into DMs, the moment you actually talk to a person like a human being, first of all, you built a real one-on-one -on -one relationship. And if you don't open with, hey, this is my project, here's the link, can you retweet it? Like I get many of those messages that go straight to trash. Right. Yeah. If you actually open with, hey, I, I saw you talking about this, this is cool, I'm, I'm interested in helping you, without front-loading all kinds of links and stuff that you want people to click, just really have a human connection, build an actual relationship with this person through a conversation. That is not happening with like lights on it, but it's actually happening in a in a cozy little one-on-one -on -one situation. Totally different kind of communication that you have with those people. You will still have people who wonder who you are and you'll have to present what you can do and you have to actually show your background like you do. But you will also have people who are just intrigued by you reaching out to them. You know, mm -hmm. it really depends. Yeah. But it's, it's always a much better way of building connections. And the great thing about platforms like Twitter is that these experts that we talked about earlier, these influencers are just one DM away. And if you yeah. don't do a cold DM that is horrible, like I just told you, like throwing links at them, asking them immediately for something. If you just go out and say, hey, I really like what you're doing. Yeah, I have a second to, to talk to me about this one thing. We, we don't need to make it a call. You could just text me here, make it as easy as possible for them to reply. Yeah. You will build the, these meaningful relationships over time, yeah. particularly yeah, yeah. like, you, you do this thing where you try to talk to one person every day, do this for two months and you've talked to 60 people right. that mm -hmm. have meaningful reputations in the community. Like you, you cannot not succeed if you do this. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's so true what you're talking about, about talking to known people on Twitter by DM. Like I've had really good success with that, both on Reddit and Twitter, where um, just being very flexible with how they're willing to talk to you yep. and saying, hey, like I, I'm looking for help not I'm going to, you know, yep. here, promote my product for me, totally. Yeah, yeah involve people. That, that's kind of the, the whole idea. I, I am, once you get into the audience building section of the book, you'll find that my, my whole audience building approach is centered around engagement, empowerment, and valuable content. And engagement is the most important thing. Helping people, supporting them, empowering them is the next biggest thing. And then only do you talk about like writing blog posts or creating videos, content, that kind of stuff. Not as important, but engagement is at the core of everything. And engagement is talking to people where they are. And yeah. they are usually in their DMs because that's where they are, but also the, the community where they are and in the conversations where they are, people feel so much more at home in a comfortable space. And if you are part of that community, if you're part of this group of people that talk to and with each other, instead of being the person that talks at people all the time, then you, you will get um, at least some sort of reciprocity. People will give you the benefit of the doubt because there is not much doubt. You know, right, you're already right. kind of where they are instead of just jumping into a new community and telling them how great you are and how you're going to revolutionize something. You're just another guy asking a question. And that makes you relatable and relatable leads to, yeah, relationships logically cool yeah i did want to round us up a little bit we're getting a little long in hours and in, in terms of minutes sorry in terms of how we usually done these but i didn't want to make sure. it so that we were forced to split this into two or anything but That's right. this has been awesome and one one interesting thing I, i've kind of stepped back and looked as you were explaining you know writing your book your experience with feedback panda and stuff and and the whole embedded entrepreneur book and it seems to just paint this picture of it's probably going to be pretty easy to find out what Arvid's going to do next. If you just actually listen there, <laughs> it's like, he's, he's pulling this, like, you know, we've got this, he's in these communities and he's getting these questions and it's probably going to be a, a, an easy, if I was a betting man, betting on betting horses and knowing what Arvid, you know, is going to do next by just seeing like what, what, what is yeah. essentially going on in his feeds. I, uh, I'm not hiding that much. <laughs> and, and I don't want to, because honestly, the, the, the feedback that you get, for being honest is equally honest. Sure. So I'm, I'm, I'm still kind of wondering what my next book project project is going to be about, but I hinted at it a couple of times already. So, you know, like I'm, I'm just trying to feel for stuff by not being like extremely overt, but I'm not lying. I'm not right. keeping anything no, from people. Definitely. And, and it shows. So, and I think that's probably what made it's your, your authenticity and uh, your vulnerability with it definitely shine through. Obviously even just talking to you, you, you realize that quickly. So this is, you are exactly as advertised in terms of what I've seen on Twitter for good or for bad. But I did have two final questions. Again, sure. this is our, our, our first podcast, 
so I would podcast guest. So I would be shameful and not saying, Hey, how can people reach you? You know, giving you a minute for that. But my other question was you have this other SaaS that's been that you have permanent link. So it's listed mm-hmm. on there. If you want to give us like a 10 second, like I know you said it's kind of on hold right now or what, mm-hmm. whatever's going on with that, but that's the part that we've never covered in this story or where that's at. Mm-hmm. or just, how does that fit into this, this puzzle that you have in your life right now? Okay, quickest explanation. When I wrote my first book, the links that I put in the book, they, they started to break days mm-hmm. after I released the book because, you know, mm-hmm. link rot is real and mm-hmm. blogs move and links break. And I thought, hey, there has to be a solution to this. And I found that people had link forwarding on their own domains that many authors use that. Like they put links like, I don't know, um, avidkal.com slash book slash link one. Right, and right. that would automatically forward to whatever kind of resource uh, the link targets. So I thought I, this could be probably productized because I need it definitely. Right. And then sure. I ch- chatted with lots of writers and they said, yep. hey, I would also need this. And then I built it. So permanent link is link uh, forwarding for authors who want to have links in their books that don't break. And as much as I'm not spending as much work on it right now because I'm writing so much, yesterday I got my fourth customer. So there you go, nice. fourth SaaS <laughs> customer for the thing. It's, it's not, not profitable yet, but it's part of my expenses as a writer, I guess. So I'm slowly building this because it's a long-term project. It's literally a permanent project, right? Because the links in go. those books are supposed to work forever. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty low-touch SaaS. It has cool. one function and it's almost feature complete, I would say, because what is what is that? Same right. forwarding. Right. Yeah, that's that's where that is. But it, it's cool. still still happening. Like from time to time I'm building a new thing or I'm like fixing a bug. All right. You know. So how should listeners reach you? All right. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter every single day, every single hour at Avidkal, A-R-V-I-D-K-A-H-L. That's that's where you can reach me personally. And then I have a blog called The Bootstrap Founder, where you can mm-hmm. find my newsletter, my books, and all that kind of stuff. So thebootstrapfounder.com. But please find me on Twitter. Send me a message. Tell me what you're doing. Because I really enjoy that. And I'll talk to you. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much, Arvid, for uh, changing my perspective on life. I really, I really like the way that you frame <laughs> things, and uh, it's really, really resonated, really, really resonated with me in a way that a lot of, uh, a lot of books and advice hasn't. So, I really appreciate that. I'm thank you. Extremely grateful for this. Thank you. This is wonderful to hear, um, and thanks for having me on the show as your first and best yeah. ever guest. <laughs> no, thanks so much for having me today. That was really, really cool. Thanks. Awesome. Cool. All right. That's a wrap. Cool. That was nice. That was sweet. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. If, if you guys have and any I meant, questions and I meant about that. Like that's like, <laughs> like you're. I, I like it. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Just, um, yeah. What, what I what was going to say, like, if you have any questions about your stuff that you would like to have an opinion on or something, just like reach out to me and we yeah. can have a chat or we can, like, you can send me an email or, you know, Twitter DM. If it isn't drowned by all these retweet my stuff DMs that I'm getting, it's, it's getting, getting worse. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, I, I just joined the, the, the Slack, the, the Bootstrap Biz mm-hmm. Slack, by the way. Yep. You probably saw that. You can also reach me there, obviously. Whatever it is, talk to me right. and yeah. I'll, I'll gladly help you out with whatever I can help you out with. Awesome. Yeah. And with the, like what we were talking about, what you're just talking about, about reaching out with help and stuff, I think in the, our Slack a lot in the marketing channel, we talk about stuff like this. Cool. Well, yeah. We joined it right now. Yeah. It'll be, it's a, it's a fun group. I don't know. How, how did, did, did Mike reach out to you or Michelle? How'd you? Michelle how'd did. You? Yeah. Michelle did. Michelle got me, me and Danielle invited into the, into the Slack, which I'm very grateful for, because that's a really cool community. Got to say. Like it's yeah, uh, quite it's amazing very, to see. It, yeah, it's very tight knit too. It's very like there's yeah. probably what would you say, Nate? Like maybe I'd say thirty or so regulars, and then there's some people that drop in and drop out. And but there's enough conversations where it's not. It's funny as someone was mentioning this to me the other day. It's like you click in a Slack group and all of a sudden everything is lit up white, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just there's way too much going on to keep up with. But there's enough yeah. little groups, and then you'll see the same people you get to know, but yet. I think Mike keeps bringing, getting some, you know, slowly people kind of, it's a nice flow of enough new people that keeps like a chain. And yeah, it's, it's, it's been a great group. I've been a part of it for what, a year and a half or so, but I knew Mike from way back. And I actually, our product manager that I have at referral rock was found through Michelle. Like I've become friends with Michelle, become friends with Nate, all of these other, you know, connections that are harder to find and also a very trusted group that you can talk about things that are you know 
it could talk oh, about numbers cool. and we're not worried about it. We're that's worried right. about yeah. someone being like, oh, so what you, you know, that type of stuff. That's hard to find because you have, yeah. you have a lot of people in, in, in the bootstrapping communities in particular, a lot of new people, a lot of newbies that also don't really understand the complexities of keeping stuff on the reps. Mm-hmm. Right? You talked about building in public and not sharing certain things like that. That can be disastrous if you share the wrong thing. Right. Like really, like it, it can motivate somebody to go after you that would never have thought about you if they, you hadn't shared it, stuff like right. that. Right. And you kind of want to avoid these situations. So it's nice to have a community of people who understand that. Right. I guess right. that's it's an experience thing as well. So it's, it's very, again, an honor to be invited, not just to this wonderful podcast, but also into this community. Yeah. So yeah, my, my week is, is full of amazing things, apparently. Awesome. So this was one of them. Cool. <laughs> Thanks. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Right. Good luck with the launch and everything. Hope you sell through the roof. <laughs> All right. I hope so too. Thanks so yep. much. Right. Talk to, you, Talk to you guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share with a friend. We're new to this podcasting thing and we'd love to hear what you have to say. Tweet us at searching for SAS on Twitter. That's searching the number four SAS or send an email to searchingforsass at gmail.com. See you next week.